TG Geeks, episode 180, July 30th, 2018. Three eyes for an eye. And welcome to another webcast from TGGeeks.com, where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery, sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Keith Lane, and we're coming to you from TG Squared Studios in lovely Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm Ben Raggington, also coming to you from It's Still Hotter Than Blazes because it's still summertime, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, and we're in the geekosphere. The Geekosphere. The Geekosphere. We have an interesting interview for uh, a movie that we watched quite some time ago, and it made the film festival rounds, but there's a reason that we are talking to the director today. Exactly. So we're just going to get right to it. And this time on the show, we have Lou Simon, who's writer-director of the movie Three, An Eye for an Eye, that is soon to be released. Welcome to the show, Lou. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. It's so, been a while. I mean, we yeah. met you last November at uh, at the Epic Studio Party. Wow, yeah. what a shindig that was. It was their, their 10th anniversary shindig that they were having. So, I know, that was so much fun. Yeah. That was a blast. And that's when we got to meet you and learned about something that you recently did. Yes. This this movie, it uh, had made the film festival circuits back then, and or you were just winding up at that point. And, and now you have some new uh, information about this. But let's, let's find out who Lou Simon is and how did you get into filmmaking. So tell us about that, and then we'll talk about what this new exciting thing that you have. You know, it, it took a long time. Like a lot of people knew that they wanted to make films since they were young. It, it never even crossed my mind. It was nowhere in my radar. And then um, I, I had studied writing, creative writing in college, and that's what I wanted to be was a novelist. And then, you know, reality set in that I needed to make a paycheck. So I got away from that and I was, uh, I ended up going to law school and becoming an attorney and had a long career as an attorney when a friend needed uh, help uh, editing a script. And I thought, okay, let me, um, I know a little bit about writing. I used to write, you know, uh, quite a bit. And write, writing the script, I just, um, I thought, wow, this is, this is so much easier than writing novels. <laughs> and to this day, I say that. It's, to me, writing the script is so easy. So, it really, I found my calling at that point. Oh, cool. And um, so by trying to help somebody else out, you know, I kind of helped myself. And um, it just changed my perspective. I, I closed my office. I mean, a lot of other things happened that just kind of made that transition easier. At the time, I had a lot of personal problems. So it was like very easy to say, I'm going to do what's right for me and make what's going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I closed my office and um, and started uh, making films. That's interesting. And of course, the lawyers have this, you know, wealth of information on how to write and how to write properly. So and being analytical about things. So I, I guess putting a script together would be just kind of a yeah, that's a good question. A next step. I mean, that, that's a really good <laughs> question because, as you said, you you know, you studied creative writing, and you mentioned how when you were younger, you were kind of interested in writing novels. So that's more like the artistic side of things. But uh, how? How was it for you to be able to blend, you know, the the more analytical aspect of writing, being uh, being that you were a lawyer and and the creative? I mean, did that really help you in your approach in script writing? I can't really say that it did. I mean, I, it's so different. It's two very different kinds of writing, and and I did more of the um, the transactional side anyway, so I didn't really do a lot of writing in my work mm-hmm. as an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot in law school, but not afterwards. And what I did find is, and I think that's where it's been a huge help and where maybe I, I've had an advantage that other people who decided to get into film don't have is, you know, this is a business. And about 80% of what I do in making films has nothing to do with creativity. It has to do with having... Um, a, a lot of business knowledge and having a lot of and and having legal knowledge because mm-hmm. between copyright law and business law, that's about a good chunk of what I do wow. for films. And I think that's something that maybe a lot of people don't even begin to realize. I mean, they they see the glitz and the glamour of 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 the lights of Hollywood, shall we say, and then just don't realize that there is. I, I'm not going to call it an uh, an ugly underbelly, but there is this very real business aspect to it that I think a lot of people just don't even take into consideration. But again, being that you were a lawyer, maybe that kind of helped prepare you for that. Oh, absolutely. And not only that, but I had my own, you know, my own practice for a long time. So I also had a lot of experience running a business. Um, And, you know, I mean, it's called show business, not show art. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, good point. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So, So, you know, so much of what I do and where I find that people, the problem a lot of people have is that they think of it as just a creative endeavor and they don't realize that this is a very, very big business Mm -hmm. that requires a lot of business savvy. Yep. You know, and that's where they go wrong. I mean, when people are like, oh, how do you have you made five films? Um, Because I run it like a business. You know, I make my decisions based on business sense, not on creative um, yearnings, you know, because you can you can make a lot of mistakes when you do it, you know, just out of ego and not really look at the whole thing as a business. Right. Mm. Unless you have an army of people that are doing the business piece for you. Right, of course, unless you, you're one of the studios like that. But when you're starting out and you're, you know, you're everything. I mean, I wish I could stop saying that I'm also a producer because I, I mean, that's the part that I like the least. But it's probably what I'm best at because I because I have such a, you know, strong business background and legal background. I right. think you've just described the differences between what it is to be uh, an independent filmmaker as opposed to someone who's, you know, working with a big major studio like Spielberg. Correct. But, you know, even then, I'm, you know, you have to have, yeah, you have a manager and you have an attorney and you have whatever, but you can't trust blindly. Oh, no. These people either. <laughs> I mean, how many celebrities have not been ripped off? Because, exactly. <laughs> because they had bad management. So. Exactly. 
You so, have to have a little bit of common sense and, and business savvy. Yeah, and you have this new film, or well, not new film, but a a film that is uh, that we've seen. And you want to tell us about that film and and what's going on with that? I know I'm being. <laughs> Boy, you're really leading, aren't you? Leading the witness. Oh, snap. Oops. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Well, the film is called, it was originally called Three. So if people saw it in the film festival, that's what they, the title they heard was Three. Um, And then um, once it got picked up uh, for distribution by Uncorked Entertainment, it changed to Three colon an eye for an eye. Um, Just for once again, business reasons, you know, Um, and it is coming out, it's being released in North America on August 7th on Video On Demand, and then on September 11th on DVD. Cool. Fantastic. So let's talk about this film. Where did the idea initially come from? You know, it it was... the creative process is just so strange. Um, it kind of was like a um, everything just coming in together at the same time. I, was, I kept thinking that I wanted to make another film where I had more time to work with the actors. So I wanted something very simple that took place in one location and had like a minimum cast. And I remember that movie Bound. Mm-hmm. Remember that one? Mm, and yeah. I thought something like that would be perfect. And and it just kind of like everything happened at the same time. And Neil McGinnis, who plays the woman in, in the film, had um, a double mastectomy. Mm-hmm. And she showed off her scars proudly on every social media uh, uh, platform. Um, and I thought... Oh, that's what it is. You know, a woman, you know, I, I know it's a quite a leap to take cancer and go into rape, but, you know, it was like, okay, a woman who's raped, you know, and because of that, you know, they're trying to, to trap the, the rapist and trying to get him to confess. And so it, it just all kind of happened at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's how creativity works kind of in bizarre, strange ways. Hmm. Interesting. So we, we saw the film and, it was like, oh my God, this is so intense! It, it just, uh, wow. Well, not just intense, but this thing's got twists in it. I mean, oh, it took me gosh. places that I never <laughs> expected to go. What kind of development was involved? I, I mean, and when writing this, did were were these ideas just like coming into your head? You know, all of a sudden you'd have a flash of insight and decide to take it into a, this new direction. No, I I thought about the script and the story for a good six months. So by the time I sat down to write, you know, it was all, I already knew exactly what was going to happen. In fact, I didn't write the script until a month before we started filming. Wow. I knew, I knew so well what was going to happen. Um, we had already found a location. I already had cast. I had most of the crew. And I still hadn't written the script. And everybody kept going, so I'm... So when am I going to see the script? Oh, you know, I'm just doing another edit. And I actually had not written a, you know, a word. Of... <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> well, but yeah, you, you only have... I'm a... usually really quick about writing. Like, I'll write a script, like, in a week. 
Mm-hmm. So I thought, um, oh, I had plenty of time. And then I thought, watch this be the one time that I get like writer's block. Right. <laughs> well, you have a, yeah. it was a relatively small cast, as you said. And, yeah. and the, the location was beautiful. I thought the, yeah. it was really great. Well, it worked out really well. Um, so in terms of your writing process, uh, you, you said that you kind of spent six months thinking about it before you actually uh, put pen to paper. Were you just like taking notes? I mean, if you had a little idea, oh, this would be really cool. Did you like, you know, you just kind of like jot it down in a little note for you to refer to later? Or are you one of these insane geniuses that has their own psychological file cabinet? No, no, I'm far from any kind of genius. Uh, insane, yes, but not a genius. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have my phone with me all the time. Like, it basically is attached to my body. And whenever I have any story idea, not even just when I have one script that I'm working on, but whenever I have any idea of, like, a cool concept for a film, I have, you know, I write it down on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always there and it's always backed up because, it's, you know, it, it automatically syncs. And then... Um, and that's what it was. I mean, you know, there were a ton of notes that didn't get used or ideas that didn't, didn't get used. But just whenever I had an idea or I, you know, just randomly an idea would come to mind, I would write it down. And so by the time that I was ready to sit down to, I already knew it was going to happen. Uh, I didn't necessarily know every single plot point, but I did know exactly how it was going to go and how it was gonna, I was going to throw off the audience to think one thing and then back to another. And, you know, and hopefully if it works well, they'll go back and forth. (laughs) We did. (laughs) Yes. Literally. I I mean, mean, (laughs) we were watching this film and it's like every 10 minutes we're pausing and said, no, this is what's going on. No, this is what's going on. We're some of those crazy people that we sit with the remote and, and we have to stop. We should, we should just record one of these days. We need to do that. The conversations that we have while we're watching films. (laughs) Yeah. Cause we were having a lot. I mean, this, this movie, in gender, it, it created a lot of talk between us as we were watching it. I mean, that's that says something to the quality of the of the story here. So when um, so you said you had some other story ideas, I'm guessing that as you fleshed out the story, you know, you're writing it out. You know, you kind of started looking at your notes and say, okay, this idea, great. No, that idea, mm, jettison. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, what I always do. Right before I write is I write a um, a breakdown of the script and what's going to happen. And I and that's where I put my plot points in and all that stuff. And I and you know I try to follow as much the formula of the you know the three act um, formula for for writing. So it's like okay, what's going to happen at the twenty minute mark? What's going to happen at this mark? What should I reveal at that point? So I usually take one or two days to do that. So at that point. I was like, okay, I can't. I have to reveal this here. So, what can happen between this and this, and what's going to happen, you know, at this time in the movie? Um, and some things, you know, I had jotted down just didn't really work. Some things didn't really, you know, I had thought of better things afterwards. And so, it, it's it's so it's that's probably the hardest process. More that's harder for me than the writing is figuring out where to put what. Mm-hmm. I guess it can turn into a bit of a Sophie's Choice, I suppose, when you're going through these ideas. How long did it take you to actually, um, from, I guess, from beginning of production to end, how, what was the, the length of time to work on this film? Beginning of production, meaning film? Yeah. Uh, principal photography? Oh, well, um, when you actually started to, okay, so you had the script, 
And then uh, I guess at one point did you start working on you know, getting your cast? Uh, you know, I guess from pre-production up to when you know final edit is done, and you say movie finished. Okay, yeah, because I, I mean that's what like I said, this is this is I I did it in a way that I had never done it before, which is I basically started pre-production without a script. Mm. I had never done that before, so I I want to say that I approached to um, the men and the woman uh, actors which are good friends of mine. They've been in other films I've done. Um, I approached them in December of 2015 Mm -hmm. um, and said, I have this idea and I, and you know, I have, I usually don't have nudity Mm -hmm. in my films and I definitely don't want any female nudity because I definitely don't want to add to that. Um, I might have guys topless. You know, that that's as much <laughs> as I right. um, and then um and then I felt weird about the whole thing with Aniela and whether you know she would be willing, you know, showing her scars on film and whether that was also taking advantage of of her situation. So I asked her, I was like, Would that be in bad taste? I can't I don't know. And she was like, Oh, I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. <laughs> So that was that was the first hurdle, and then I had to do a ton of research on the psychological aspect of it and the illnesses that are this, you know, the PTSD and the other things that you know I can't say without um, without spoiling without spoiling the film. So I had to do a ton of research on that because I actually had no clue anything about it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that took several months. Um, so I want to say that I didn't really start pre-production until about April of 2016. And then, and then in May and by, and, and, you know, the casting was easy at that point because I had two of the, two of the three actors. And, um, and I originally had another actor. I'm sorry. I'm like hoarse right now. Um, I had another actor in mind for, to play the alleged, rapist and he um and he backed out mm-hmm. and now i can't you know we eventually ended up casting mike stanley and now i can't imagine the film not being you know that role not being played by mike stanley oh he's he was brilliant played, you know and he actually won an award for best actor and everything because i mean he was he's um, amazingly talented um but that that happened i want to say he was cast more like in june we went to look at, uh, at, you know, locations in May. So, um, you know, that was really the only place we looked and we liked it. And so we booked it. Um, and then crew, I reused a lot of the crew that I had used before because you want to work with people that you know you work with well. So we just had to add just like three or four people. And then um, maybe even less. I think three people were new. Everybody else I had worked with before. And then... Um, and then we shot in July of 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, it was two weeks of filming. Um, we all stayed in the same house together. It was like a big, you know, slumber party every night. Oh, that's cool. Far out. <laughs> it was actually a lot of fun. Whoa! It was, it was like camp, you know. <laughs> One time at band camp. That our bill for yeah. liquor was a lot higher than the actual food um, budget. <laughs> I see. 
It was like one time at band yeah, camp. Yeah, and when we did this at band camp, it was like, okay, <laughs> great. Uh, so, now, so you got the movie out. And it went, already went through the film festival circuit. Now you mentioned that uh, your your actor Mike Stanley. I mean, he got a Best Actor award. But how was what was the reception of this film? You know, it's it's been so excellent in every way. Like you know, from every review, I've only gotten one not positive review. How dare they! I know. How dare they? But I mean, I'm so used to getting mixed reviews one way or the other, you know, either because it's not hard enough or because I don't know, whatever, you know, because they're expecting uh, Schindler's List. I have no idea. But um, this was the this is the one time that every single review except for one has been so positive that it feels great. I mean, it feels amazing and then i've gone to film festivals and you know you do the q a and i've had so many people come up to me and said i loved it i loved it oh my god i never saw it coming and and love the twists and turns and you know and and because it's a a movie that's so dependent on the twists and turns that Mm -hmm. if if you didn't do a good job of of taking the people through that roller coaster then it doesn't work right so to hear people saying, oh, my God, I really I really couldn't tell where it was going. And I really thought it was this. I knew I thought for sure that it was this. You know, then you're, it's so rewarding because, you know, writing is my favorite part. So mm-hmm. if I tell a good story to me, that's that's the most rewarding thing that I can do. Well, story is king, as uh, people over at Pixar Studios are always saying. So, And, yeah, it had me and Keith guessing up to, like, virtually the last minute. So that's really, as far as we're concerned, we, we adore this film. So uh, what is the future for you at this point? You know, um, I'm just going to keep doing my thing, and I have no control but you know, over anything else and what happens with my, you know, it's, it's a, it's a crap shoot, mm-hmm. you know, it's a bit of a, a pipe dream. Um, I'm in a really happy, comfortable place where I can put these out. Uh, I was doing that every year. Then last year I took time off to work on a documentary about elephants. Oh, cool. Wow. <laughs> that's a departure. <laughs> big time. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, I just, I love animals and I'm, I'm a big animal advocate. So, um, um, I'm working, I, I've been working on that since last year. Um, but you know, I'll just keep doing my thing. And, um, and th- if this is all I ever do, I'll be perfectly happy. I just got cool. just one question that quickly came to mind is, uh, is, is horror a favorite genre of yours or are you just like, you know, I just want to do movies. No, no. Well, I, I mean, I don't know that I can really describe anything I've done except for like the very first one hazmat. I can't really say that any of the other ones have been, well, uh, maybe the second one as well, because it's very much a supernatural thriller. But after that, I, I, I honestly, I don't know if horror is really what I would call it. I write thrillers. Right. Um, and I just like twists and turns, you know, and I, if that, you know, with a little bit of blood, some, a little bit of gore, but not like anything too extreme. Right. Well, we had an interesting little definition about yeah. horror given to us. How did, how did that go? Cause it we, was, it was like, Almost anything that is that takes you by surprise or uh, is unexpected, yeah, we can got that be considered horror. Yeah, we got that from Miguel Rodriguez, who was at the Epic Studios party that yeah. night as well, and uh, he has the Horrible Imaginings Film Festival that takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this year it's in Santa Ana, but he's been running in San Diego for years, and yeah, he's the one who told us that horror is you know basically anything that is unexpected. Yep. And this movie's got a lot of unexpected in it. Yeah, so thrillers, 
can be, I mean, there's a lot of things that can be horror. I mean, comedies can be horror. Yeah. <laughs> so. It just has a, a bit of gore. So I would yeah. definitely say that's horror. But, um, but More that's, of a you know, it only works if you have that gore in there because, right. oh. because that's what makes the, his situation so frightening. I, don't know, I would call it a psychological horror. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. But I think that's what I like. I just I like anything that that has twists and turns, where there's some kind of mystery to be solved, um, where there's something unexpected that doesn't necessarily have to involve, you know, a lot of blood or a lot of gore. It doesn't necessarily have to um, involve anything supernatural. Although right, I really right. really like supernatural stuff. So I mean, as long as that's always what I'm going to do. You know, um, I, I honestly, it's not just about making films, it's making about something that I would want to watch. That's a fair enough statement. So with all of that, where can people learn more about Lou Simon? I mean, do you have any social media presence out there, like on the Facebooks, Twitters, Instagrams, places like that? Yeah. Um, just about everything is uh, at Ms. M.S. Lou Simon, L-O-U-S-I-M-O-N. Um, just because I used to be getting a lot of emails that said Mr. Simon. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, when Lou is kind of one of those names, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I suppose those. And uh, is there any social media presence for three at this present time, or is that just, just ready to get ready to launch it? Um, everything... Oh, and now they're all kind of messed up because Facebook won't let me change it. Uh-oh. Um, so on Facebook, it's uh, Lou Simons three, just because they wouldn't let me do three by itself. Mm. And then, um, and then everything else is three I for I. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, that's outstanding. And that is actually, and once again, it's released on August seventh on video on demand and. September 11th on DVD, is that correct? That's correct. Oh, I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, we'll have to go buy a copy of that. Yeah, because now that we know how it goes, it'd be interesting to see it one more time. Exactly. Yeah, if I I laid any clues, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, thank you, Lou, for being on the show this time. Thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Lou Simon, writer-director of Three, An Eye for an Eye, And you're listening to The Two Gay Geeks. And here's a few selected birthdays for July 30th through August 5th, 2018. July 30th. Arnold Schwarzenegger. The Dominator. The Dominator. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. And Lawrence Fishburne, Christopher Nolan, and Carl Striken. Mr. Holm. Mr. Holm. Mr. Holm. I also <laughs> lurch in the Adams Family movies. Yes. Also a very good friend of ours, Mr. Brendan Mahoney. Happy birthday, Brendan. July 31st, J.K. Rowling, Dean Kane, Richard Griffiths. So kind of interesting that Richard Griffiths was... Uh, share, share a birthday uh, with J.K. Rowling, yeah, exactly. yeah. And Ted Cassidy, the, the, the original Lurch. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> and Mario Bava, famed yeah, oh. Italian. Wow, everybody's, wow, everybody's favorite director. Italian horror director. Yeah, and Eric Weil, who's a game designer and all kinds of other things. Hope to be talking to him yeah, fairly soon. Hopefully soon. 
August 1st, Jason Momoa. Interesting, because i got a story about him coming up. Yeah, and Claudius, the uh, the emperor of ah. Rome, who was the stutterer, who, uh, if you watched on the, the PBS series... The I, Claudius? I, Claudius. Uh, Derek Jacobi did uh, oh. Claudius. He was absolutely... He was brilliant. I was... I was fascinated by that uh, series. And also Giancarlo Giannini, the world's greatest barber. <laughs> uh, or no, actually, he is a voiceover actor, actor, uh, director. He does. He was actually the designated voice for all Jack Nicholson, Nicholson's films. And, really? Uh, in uh, The Shining and Batman. No kidding. I didn't yeah, know that. As well as a couple of others, too. And we also, on August 1st, Mr. Phil Chavez, husband of our good friend Jen Chavez, and Kristen Naomi and Devony Penn. August the 2nd, Wes Craven. Yeah. Okay. okay I, thought I you... got nothing to say. <laughs> and Kevin Smith and Kyle Madsen. August 3rd, Martin Sheen, Tony Bennett, who's like 90, will be 94. I, you know, and, and he's, he's still, still singing. He is still out there. He is still performing. And I I honestly think he's hotter than he's ever been in his life, yep. career-wise. Yeah. And Evangeline Lilly. August 4th, Daniel Day Kim and Louis Armstrong, also known as Satchmo. Satchmo. And you know why it's Satchmo, right? Tell the story. <laughs> When he was very, very young and had a trumpet, I mean, he was out kind of doing the uh, the street musician mm-hmm. thing with a, a group of them, and he didn't have any pockets on his pants, and he'd pick those coins up and put them in his mouth, in his and they mouth. called him Satchel, Satchel Mouth, mouth yeah. and it just kind of t- turned into Satchmo. August 5th, Neil Armstrong, John Huston, famed director, and mm-hmm. Guy de Maupassant who is supposed to be the uh, reputed uh, father of the short story. Really? Okay, yes, I didn't he was know that. A French, he wrote he wrote like 90 short stories and six novels and Okay, so that. <laughs> interesting. So the French came up with the the form of the short story and they also came up with the operetta. Yeah. yeah. Darn those French. No kidding. <laughs> they abbreviating everything. Abbreviate so everything. So what do they do? They come up with Reader's Digest as well? <laughs> Probably. I'm sure they did. No offense to the people from France. We love you no, all. No, no. We're, We're just having fun Just here. having fun. Also on August 5th, Ambois Thomas, another French. <laughs> yeah. He's a composer. He, he actually wrote And he the, wrote light pieces, I'm sure. No, I'm no. just I'm joking. <laughs> there were not anything but light. Uh, he was the one that wrote the... Um, uh, Hamlet piece that uh, is very strange uh, and, and uh, was done at the uh, the Met Opera here oh, just recently. Oh, yes. that, yes. And also finishing off on August 5th, Mr. Robert Tanser, a friend of ours from Arizona Opera and former uh, chairman of the board and all kinds of other things for Arizona amazing Opera. Amazing gentleman. Truly amazing. He and his wife, Shoshana, they're actually They're doing in a, Europe now, aren't a, they? Yeah, they were at Glyndebourne. Right, uh, at Glyndebourne. Yeah, just uh, here a couple of days ago, they were in Germany. Yeah, they're, they're, they're touring. All over the place. They're touring the European opera circuit right yeah, now. Exactly. I'm so jealous. Yeah, and that's it for the birthdays this time.
The Ideas Start Here podcast is a science-based, informative, entertaining view on immunizations and general health-related topics. Featuring me, your host, Jack Mankin. But each season, good shots for a good reason. Measles at the school. Measles. Number one, I was like, you know what, you should be exercising. Hey, your kids, stop playing with that cowpox. We didn't even talk about polysaccharide vaccine. Thank you. No, it was a good speech. I liked it. <laughs> if they knew that was going to happen, they would have vaccinated, but they didn't know. Winter is coming. My mom was like, you're getting a shot. And I was like, what? Gotta make sure they vaccinate. Panda plague. It was not the panda plague. They got it from panda bears. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Or listen directly on your phone, computer, or any other device from the website, www.stchealth.com Looks like you got the flu Looks like you just got the flu The Ideas Looks Start like Here podcast Looks like you got Go give a listen to our friend Jack Mengen over at Ideas Start Here podcast And now it's time for what? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm, I'm watching your hand. Oh boy. Oh, thank you. Moving, moving right along. Yes, we're on the feedback now. Starting with episode 177, we had a birthday shout out for Jennifer Dawn. Yeah. And she says, "Thank you always to TG Geeks." Well, you're most welcome, Jennifer. And then, uh, we, oh, some time ago, we ran a review for Ant-Man and the Wasp. And uh, Andrea Richoff, who actually got to go to a press screening for it, she said, we agreed on a lot of the key points. I really loved this one. I need to see this movie again. Yeah. Definitely got to see it again. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, we ran a, it was a social Saturday for a restaurant called Tuck Shop here in Phoenix. And an old friend of mine, Corey Nelson, she says, okay, the mac and cheese sounds great. Thanks for the write-up. It was wonderful. It was really good. I yeah. to, I'm not a big restaurant mac and cheese guy, but I thought that was really delicious. And Tuck Shop themselves, they said, great meeting you both. Thanks for such lovely words. Kiss, kiss, kiss. And uh, that's from Grace. That's or, from Grace. Or, yeah, or probably Grace or her father or, or her sister, I'm, one or the other. I'm imagining <laughs> probably it's, Grace. it's Grace. Probably Grace, yeah. And we went back for tea for your mom's birthday. Yeah, oh, it was so it was good. Real, oh, my God. The tea is the absolutely tea, incredible. I want that that breakfast English tea. It was Buckingham Palace. That's that it. The, oh, man. I loved it. I, I got to get myself some Everything was Everything the was fabulous. Was All the finger fabulous. sandwiches were wonderful. Yeah. Everything was just it, delightful. It was amazing. I loved it. And then uh, we, well, yes, we ran a review under Old Classics Newly Reviewed of the 1976 movie Logan's Run. And friend Michael Rose writes... Excellent review. It stirred up nostalgia in me since I always considered this a foundational sci-fi movie. Yeah. I even watched the short-lived TV series starring the adorable Gregory Harrison before he was Dr. Gonzo Gates. It was pretty cheesy in retrospect, but it was something special for a kid in the emerging Star Wars era. Absolutely. Michael, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, we were starving for anything sci-fi. Yeah, and it was actually well done. I think it, And I've said this before, I think it's better than the book. Yeah, actually, I, I guess the sci-fi kind of took off in the 50s, in the mid-50s, early to mid-50s. Uh, and then it yeah, just died right. until Star Trek came in. 
and then it kind of died again. Yeah, but it was, it was never being Star taken Wars. seriously. It was, it yeah, was never it, well, being taken true. seriously. Right. You know, whether it was television or whether it was uh, movies, it was not being taken seriously. It was considered very, very niche. Logan's run was one of those. It was Star Wars that made sci-fi fashionable. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on. Jeannie Koch has something to say about the Logan's run review. She says, I think my favorite scene from this movie, which I adored when it came out, is when Logan's years are altered. And he says, I will get them back. And the computer goes on about his mission, and Logan insists, but I will get them back. And the computer never answers. So we realize, as Logan comes to, that he will not get those years back. I think that scene is where you, the audience, truly realize that the characters are not actually in a utopia, but a dystopia in disguise. Dystopia in disguise. Yes, now I want to my rewatch new, my band, new band name. Dystopia, Dystopia in, in disguise. disguise. <laughs> yes, uh, and then lastly, we have a uh, issue nineteen of News Sushi: Morsels of News from Japan and Beyond, number nineteen. This is uh, always comes out from Hamish Downey, and he did an interview with Daryl Horton Rigby, and Daryl just simply writes back with, "Thank you." And I want to add one little thing. I really appreciate what Hamish is doing with the new sushi because he gets interviews with people that maybe he has easier access to. The new sushi, these are really excellent articles that come out every Friday. Please, people, check them out. The interviews are fascinating. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Hamish. Yes, thank you, Hamish. And we want to hear from you, our listeners. You are very important to us as we have just you know, seen the there's lots of people that comment on our articles, on our uh, podcast, uh, oh, webcast, yeah. on anything. You know, it's amazing. We want to hear from you, whether you like the website, whether you like the show, or you don't like the show. Or we really whatever. want to hear from all of you, yes. please. If you have something to say, please contact us. You can do it through our our website, tggeeks.com. You can do it on our Facebook page. You can even you leave can... audio feedback on Facebook as yeah. well. Did and, you know that? And you can on Twitter or mm-hmm. on Instagram. And you can even call us at our listener feedback line at 469-TGGeeks. That is 469-844-3357. And as always, please play nice. Yeah, baby. They're like two gay geeks. They're together, you know. They're two gay guys and they're geeks. Is that okay? Oh, boy. Thank you. It's we done. don't have time for that anymore. It's done. I got a few things I just want to really touch on really, really fast. Uh, as everybody knows, Comic-Con International in San Diego, year 218, 2018. <laughs> Tw- year 218. <laughs> year 218. Yeah. Yes. Year sure. 218 for Comic-Con International in San Diego. Yes. Uh, every, yeah. Uh, oh, you got to check out this new papyrus. Um, anyway, <laughs> yes. Uh, year 2018 for Comic-Con International in San Diego. There's a few things that were sort of kind of hot that came out. Uh, we're going to talk about really briefly. The first, for the upcoming season of Supergirl, they're going to be bringing in a transgendered superhero. She will be joining the cast, and she's going to be played by Nicholas Maines, who is a trans... Nicole. Excuse me, Nicole. Blah. Nicole Maines. I'm reading several things at the same time here. Sorry, people. Uh, And she's a transgender actress. She's going to be playing Nia Nall, a.k.a. Dreamer. She is supposed to be a soulful young transgender woman with a fierce 
drive to protect others. And one of the neat things about Nicole Maines is she was actually quite the advocate for getting transgendered actors and actresses to actually play transgendered characters because there was a time where they were getting people that weren't to play these parts. And I've seen pictures of Nicole. She's actually quite beautiful. Um, And while I know that some people in the LGBTQ community are going to absolutely applaud this, I do know that there will be some that are not going to be very happy about it, simply based on some things we saw in the diversity panel from last year. Be that as it may... I think this could be very interesting, so let's keep our eyes open for that. Absolutely. Also, two trailers came out, both DC, and uh, they were kind of battling each other. First one was for Aquaman. Now, I'm not. Oh, that's not Aquaman. Aquaman. <laughs> Aquaman. Aquaman. <laughs> uh, let me see. Is he wearing dreads? Uh, yeah. uh, well, you never know. <laughs> And it, it was Jason Momoa's it birthday. It was Jason Momoa's birthday. As I said earlier, we had something yeah. to talk about. Yep. And I've seen the trailer. I actually like it. I, I liked this trailer a lot. Uh, it's hard to say because one of the things that DC has always done, their, their movies have looked a little bleak and whatnot. This one actually doesn't. And uh, I think this really is going to just dive deeply into the whole Aquaman mythology. I'm very excited about it. The one that I'm a little puzzled about is Shazam. Yeah, this no, is you, if Shazam. You, it's yeah. When you look it up in IMDb, you have to say Shazam Bang. Shazam Bang, meaning exclamation <laughs> mark at the very end. Otherwise, you're not going to find it. Exactly. It's starring Zachary Levi. Now, everybody thought that was probably a good casting. I'm a little unsure about the film because they're taking Shazam, aka Captain Marvel, in a direction that I'm not accustomed to. Um, be that as it may, I mean, this is a comedy. Pure out simple, because you're taking a 12-year-old character and you're giving him superpowers and a super body. But he's got the mind of a 12-year-old. Forget the fact that he's supposed to have the wisdom of Solomon and all, you know, all the things that make up who Shazam is supposed to be. Uh, all those seem to be gone. Well, maybe in, instead, since they're redoing the character, maybe it's Shazam. Shazam. <laughs> Instead uh, of Shazam. Okay. I'm waiting for your rationale on that. <laughs> hey, you know, well, let's take away the the sp- <laughs> pronunciation of the name. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I, I don't, be is, that as it may. This is Warner we're talking about. Yeah, uh, but again, two trailers that have come out, and as I once, as I, somebody else heard say, uh, they were topic, talking about these films, saying... Guys, please like us. You've had some misfires, but, you know, we're trying to put out some good stuff here. And speaking of good stuff, they didn't have a trailer for it at Comic-Con, but they did have still shots of Wonder Woman 1984, which Mm. had just started production. And one of the key pictures was a shot of Chris Pine wearing members-only clothing. Oh, dear. Yeah, in a mall. Oh, dear. 1984. So the big question is, how is it? That Chris Pine, Steve Trevor, is alive in 1984. Maybe he stole the Eye of Aggravation. Or uh, Agrima... Uh, uh, what is it? And he, the Time Stone and... Went From Marvel? Future. You never know. Okay. Why Be that not? as it may. Why not? Okay. But in any case, Chris Pine is playing somebody in the film. Everybody thinks it's Steve Trevor. We're not quite sure yet. Ooh. But the one interesting thing... Now, of course, also, they, they were not taking any questions for this. This was just a quick little show. One of the interesting things is that this, this, this is not a sequel. It's not. No. They're saying it is a continuation of the first film. So think of it as part one, part two. Mm. 
I'm not sure. Hard to say. This will be interesting, especially how it fits in the entire DC Extended Universe timeline. And that's really kind of the hot stuff that came out of Comic-Con for this kind of year. This this particular year. This so. particular year. Year 218 of yeah, Comic-Con International. Yeah. Next year in 219, we have... That was my podcast voice. Yeah, I could tell. Podcast announcer voice. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Anything else? That's it. That's it? That's all that came out of Comic-Con? There really wasn't a heck of a lot. No. Oh. A lot of TV stuff. I mean, I did see one interesting little picture of uh, Matt... I want to say the name right. Matt Lantner who we've seen in the TV series Timeless. He's now voicing somebody in... Um, oh, shoot. It's it's a Star Wars animated series. I've doggone it. I, the Clone Wars, I think. Mm. An interesting thing that should have come out at uh, Comic-Con was uh, that Anthony Mackie has been chosen well, that, for... That was actually announced after. Yeah. That was announced after the fact, but yes. For Anthony, Altered Carbon. Yeah, uh, Anthony Mackie is going to be taking over the lead role for Altered Carbon. The, that, that actor, he's out... And that's sort of the idea as to how the books go. The character himself, he changes sleeves from book to book to book. So right. they're going to do the same thing with the series. Yeah, it could be interesting. I, I'm excited because I like Anthony Mackie. Yeah. Stay tuned for more. I'm Daniel Radcliffe, and I believe that reaching out for help is the bravest thing a person can do. If you are struggling and need support, call the Trevor Lifeline at one 488 7386 it's free and confidential, and trained counselors are there to listen 24-7 without judgment. To learn more about the Trevor Project's life-saving work for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or questioning young people, go to thetrevorproject.org. I just love that. Yeah, it's, it's a nice theme music. <laughs> when, when I found that on Pond 5, I was so in love with it, I had to buy it. <laughs> and it was one of our more expensive uh, purchases. <laughs> yeah, but we're getting good use out of it. Yeah. This is our weekly review for those that only listen to the webcast. We do have a website. And we have we a website with some really good content. Lots of good content. Really, really good content. So starting with Sunday, July 22nd, was... Issue number six of Dr. Zombie, Monster Family Physician from Tommy Cannon. On Monday, we had TG Geeks episode 179, as well as a very exciting press release for the Peoria Film Festival to be coming to Peoria, Arizona in October 2018. Please check that out. That'll be very exciting. Yeah. On Tuesday... We had um, Binging My Life Away from Jeannie Koch, and she talked about the TV series. It was the NBC uh, Sunday Night Mystery Series, and they were, they were kind of rotating shows, and this time it was Macmillan and Wife. Also, we had a press release for the movie Bluebird, a film by Matthew Hartstaff, and another press release for a musical video premiere. Musical video premiere. Yes. Um, music video. Mu- music. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm having a bad day. Uh, from Waveyard and Candle Osborne, and they created No Surfboard in the Saloon. This is really awesome, and I'm actually a new fan of the band Waveyard now. They're sort of like a uh, a neo-beach surfer kind of band. Really awesome music. Hmm, On uh, Wednesday, July 25th, we had a review for Damn Yankees. Yay. Under Old Classics, newly reviewed. That was fun. 
on July 26th, Thursday, had a review for Doctor Strange and how it's still strangely magical. But guess what, people? Did you know that there was another Doctor Strange before the Benedict Cumberbatch movie? Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the 1978 made-for-TV movie. Check it out. On Friday, July 27th, new sushi morsels of news from Japan and beyond actually became an adult with issue number 21. Hooray! Yes. And then finally, on July 28th, last Saturday, Jeannie Koch came to the rescue one more time with a little bit of, I guess you could call it a preview of things to come for San Diego Comic-Con 2018. These are some of her initial thoughts. She's going to have much more to share down the road. But if you want to whet your appetite, you can check that out there. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's just little old Jeannie Koch. Here she comes to save the day. <laughs> there you are, Jeannie. You can find all these things at Genie. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> I'm so glad it's not just me. No, it's not just you. <laughs> Genie.com? Is that where Genie. you're going com. Genie.com. Oh, Genie. My. oh, oh dear. my. Okay. Under Genie. Genie underdog. Whatever. It's just getting worse. Sorry. Uh, and that's called a slow motion derailing. <laughs> exactly. I think my uh, Freudian slip is showing. <laughs> Big time. Anyway, you can find all of these articles at tggeeks.com as well as entries on our Facebook page. Please visit and comment. As always, we have our follow-up items. Check out the widgets on the side of the page. we got a number of books and causes that we support. Uh, for example, we got Beth Cato's Roar of Sky. That's a pre-order series, as well as The Last Sun by Katie Edwards. His first novel, it is out. It is going like gangbusters. Read this novel today. It and yes, is read incredible. It, read it and then pre-order The Hanged Man. And uh, exactly. I already mentioned this to Keith. Um, Katie Edwards, if you follow him on Twitter, he just printed the edited, well, the the removed prologue that he'd originally intended yep. for his book. He's now got it on Twitter. But if you want to follow all things Katie Edwards, you can find him on Twitter as well. Katie Edwards underscore NC. Yes. And as everybody knows, we are huge supporters of Arizona Opera and hope that you will be too. The next season is, begins in October. There's some incredible stuff that they're doing. Maria de Buenos Aires, a, uh, a tango opera. I'm so excited I'm for that. so excited so for excited that. So excited because I love uh, John De Los Santos, who is behind this one. This yes. is his baby. And I, wow, wow, I can't yeah, wait. I can't wait either. So check it out at azopera.org. And as everybody knows as well, we are huge supporters of independent creators, whether it's filmmakers, comic book artists, writers, or any other kind of creators. Please consider supporting independent creators. Go and buy their stuff, comment on their Facebook pages and on their Twitter profiles and on their this and that, and please buy their stuff. Yes, can't emphasize that enough. Buy their stuff. Buy their stuff. Special shout out to Doctor Who Talking Who on Twitter. You can find them at Talking Who. They publish the Doctor Who Fancast Guide, which republishes our own content. Same thing with Michael C. Burgess on Twitter. You can find him at Byronic, B-Y-R-O-N-I-K. 
and he puts out the Byronix Semidernal Aggregator that also republishes our content. Same thing with the Human Arkle. On Twitter, he is at Arkle, A-R-K-L-E, and he puts out the Arkle Times Post-Dispatch News. He's also on Tumblr with the incorrect Star Trek Voyager quotes. Check it out for a nice chuckle. Also, special shout out to the Facebook group, The Gay Geek, for allowing us to not only post our episodes, but also relevant stories like uh, the Damn Yankees review because of Tab Hunter. That got shared there. So check it out. Facebook.com slash groups slash The Gay Geek. And as always, our most heartfelt thanks go out to Jeremiah Reeves for granting us his permission and his blessings and all of that sort of thing for sharing our stuff there. Thank you, Jeremiah. Thank you, Jeremiah. I just want to, I found this uh, meme on uh, Facebook here. Uh, I've seen it a couple of times, and it's about independent creators. It's when you buy something from an artist, you're buying more than an object. Oh, yes. You're buying hundreds of hours of errors and experimentation. You're buying years of frustration and moments of pure joy. You're not buying just one thing. You're buying a piece of a heart, a piece of a soul, a small piece of someone else's life. Please consider supporting independent creators. Absolutely. And as I said, please buy their stuff. And if it's a writer, don't rip it off. No. Just go buy the copy. I just just buy it. Oh my it. gosh. You can, you know, go to the library and, and check it out. Check it out. Yeah. Don't don't steal it. Don't steal. And we want to thank those that have clicked on our Amazon ads. You can find those at the bottom of each of our articles and the right hand side of the pages. And lastly, we are now on Spotify, so check us out on Spotify, Krypton Radio at 3 a.m. and 3 p.m. Pacific Time. On Tuesdays. On Tuesdays, and please rate us and review us on iTunes, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm not sure what we have next week. It. it uh, it, we got several interviews. Still, that we could some in the run. can. Yeah, so I, I think I know what it is, but I, I, don't, do I don't want to say yet. Neither but, do I. Uh, but we'll, I think I know who we're going to run. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, tune in next week for an exciting time again. Okay, that should do it for this episode of TG Geeks Webcast. Be sure to check out the article for this webcast episode. We're going to have several links on the page of things we talked about. And remember, you can comment on our Facebook page or our website, tggeeks.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 469-TG-GEEKS. That is 469-844-3357. From TG Squared Studios, I'm Keith Lane. Thanks for listening. Please be kind to yourself and those around you. Peace. Cheers. <laughs>